And I'm Carrie. And this is Warhammer 40k Book Club, where we read from a crag. This is episode number 90, and our book is the Christmas special, Tagabo's Demise, by Denny Flowers. We did not post questions on our website, because as with all of the Christmas books, this being the second one, uh, we will just do more of a general talk, free format, wing it, if you will. We'll do it live, like Bill O'Reilly. We encourage participations in our conversations via Twitter, YouTube, our site, or Encrypted Vox channel. Boiler warning, if you haven't yet read the book, definitely go check it out. You're doing yourself a disservice if you haven't. Let's dive in. Did you like it? Yeah, it was fun. It was super fun. Um, I, I hope this does continue into like a holiday tradition. Mm-hmm. It is, it's just a silly, mindless kind of way to end the year. Yeah, I mean, it's just... Uh, I think the Grots are maybe one of the more interesting factions of the Orcs, to be totally, or pieces, I should say, of the Orcs, just because of how much they actually do, and how much the Orcs kind of can't function without them, as much as that would hurt, pain them to admit. Right. Um, Yeah, they very much are, like, the equivalent of the Humies to the Space Marines, where... Like, I don't know. I like the comparison they. I like the comparison they made about the ratlings to the humans. I did like that too. When they're like, "Oh yeah, they, you know, they're the snipers." Yeah. Did it ever occur to you maybe uh, what we would be able to do? Right. If we had that type of power. It is one of those things that they're just a fun little faction. Um, I like that. Our main character, Red Snot, obviously grows. And on that day, he grew three slices. <laughs> um, I like that he grows as a person, but he still's a grot, right? Mm-hmm. He's still. I do like that uh, they they want better for themselves. Obviously, they want to get out of that church. They want to survive, but they also just have their own natural tendencies, like backstabbing and looting and right. finding funny stuff. And yeah. They're, um, I like that despite the fact that they have these desires, they're still just what they are. Which is weird little green skins. <laughs> they're really kind of the, some of the most humorous parts, I think, of the orcs to begin with. It's just kind of, kind of how they do. Like, I love the fact that Red Snot was the only one who could speak gothic at all, and how he really kind of worked that into his favor most <laughs> of the time. I did like with him speaking with the priest. I thought that was very humorous. Right. Um, and of course the priest, oh, you're a rattling. Yes. Sure. Like, I like that that was his answer. Like the priest would say these things and he'd be like, sure. <laughs> like, I don't know how to respond to any of this stuff. Well, um, I mean, like even at the end when the commissar fell and, you know, ended up being impaled on the sanguineous spear and they're like, well, did he do that on purpose? Because we see a lot of them. They like sticking each other on spikes to begin with. <laughs> yeah, you know what? With these guys, very possible. Very possible. I do like their constant ruminations on Humi culture, especially when they're in the church. And yeah, I did like the um, gods are what you're supposed to aspire to. Oh my God, that's probably one of my favorite impressed. lines. Yeah, was was that whole thing about, you know, you know, because th- they're like, oh, because they're saying, you know, to do that to impress. And they're like, 
Gork and Mork would never ask anybody else to do that. They'd do that themselves. Like, you know what? That I mean... Kind of true, right? Yeah. But then again, that's the... One of the things of the Chaos Gods! Um, I do like that a humie's a humie's a humie a humie. Like, they kind of recognize that these ones are a little pointier than the other ones, but by and large... Right. It's the same thing. <laughs> right. Like, they don't really, like, they kind of recognize that there's a delineation there, but not really. Not like we would, obviously. Um, so the book is divided essentially into two parts. There's the, the Grotz story and then the Traitor's story. So let's start with the Grotz. Uh, what parts stood out to you? Oh, I mean, plenty of stuff. Oh, my God, I know. Like, stood out. Let's see, what did I? Oh, like, I did laugh when Red Stomp was talking to, to the priest and he was trying to look for some weapons and he was like, you know, to the point to the statue, like, you know, what is that? He's like talking about wonderful Sanguinius and stuff. He's like, well, shame Sanguinius didn't have a gun. <laughs> like, just, you know, pearl clutching that was for for the priest. And I liked his interaction with the commissar when he speaks, you know, gothic to the commissar. And the commissar is like, did you, did you just dare debase our language with your tongue he's like yeah you're dare bleeding on my floor like it was like nice in here i had some shinies and he had a pet human <laughs> i thought that was um i thought that was absolutely great i loved the whole running gag with uh oh i'm gonna butcher the consonants in between his name uh Migas. oh yeah running through the pipe work and him like knocking on the pipes and him popping out constantly. I thought that was absolutely delightful. Miggas. Um, I thought that was a really fun little running gag that that kid, that guy's constantly running around trying to figure stuff out. Uh, the whole unleashing the Prometheum. Uh <laughs> also like Miggas, like this whole thing, like when, you know, um, Killskin is killed in the very beginning and he's just like, is the boss okay? <laughs> Takes him a long time to register that he's dead. Really <laughs> good natured for a grot. Yeah, well, I mean, he believes in Dagabo, which made it very, very sweet when Dagabo does show up, right? Because right. because yeah, I mean, and he he accepts it unquestioningly. Oh right. Oh, yep, there's Dagabo. I you know it kind of made me think of like you know the um. The animated one that Tom Hanks did of um, Polar Express, where it's just like, I've always believed, you know, <laughs> little kids there seeing Santa for the first time. Like, I've always believed, like, kind of totally like how he was. Never seen that one. Uh, so it's it's cute. It's cute. They, um, I, I do like that concept, though. Like, I believe. And there he shows up. And it's just, it's. It's sweet for a book about orcs, more or less. Um, type of work. Um, it's just a nice little sweet note that you're like, oh, wasn't expecting that. Um, I also like Dagabo himself. Mm -hmm. He's... Dagabo occupies such a strange place because on one hand, he's this revolutionary who is there to save them and just show them that, you know, life can be better. We could do other things. He has all this mm -hmm. philosophizing, right? And yet, 
he's still very rooted in orc culture. He's still a little treacherous. He knows not to trust Red Snot. Um, right. And he's violent. Well, that, you know, enough for a guy who's just like, and we don't need any bosses, yet he's still ordering everybody around. And when he gets pointed out, he's like, well, do you have a better idea? You know, he kind of challenges it back because if there was a better idea, oh, okay, we'll do that instead. But it's, he, but at the same time, like, yes, we want something better, but they still know that the Grots need a hierarchy. It's just how it is. Ingrained in them. And that's also kind of fun to see that, on one hand, you feel kind of bad for them because of how the orcs treat them. And yet, when given an opportunity to be orcless, they still are right. kind of like, oh. Like, I like when he's ruminating and he's like, yeah, you know, at least threats of violence make sense. Like, <laughs> really even do something without threats of violence? Like, come on. Like, the order to the world, right? Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of a fun parallel, though, between them and, you know, the uh, the traitor humans, though, with the threats of violence. That's just how you get things done, right? Well, and that, okay, so that's exactly where I was going with that. Um, that the traitor humans were surprisingly fun, too. Like, I love how the commissar basically is like, he likes not being part of the Imperium anymore, but he does not not like having the control and the sense of purpose that the Imperium has. Like when he's constantly just like, what am I supposed to do with these people? What am I supposed to do with this? Right. Like actual soldiers. I love when he turns to the one guardsman and he's like, at your feet. And he's like, I never served, sir. Like, just hard habits to break, I guess. I guess he also just figured that, you know, we're here for the cause, so people are actually going to listen to me. Yeah, no, you don't have soldiers, mate. You have cultists. You have people who drank the Kool-Aid. Maybe literally. You have a, Uh, you literally have cannon fodder, is what you have. You have people who are willing to die for the dark gods. And that's about it. And as we learned with Upio and the rest of them, aren't they really... Like, I love how he's just like, yeah, let's go get that. You know what? Actually, I'm going to hang back. And you know what? Maybe I could just run away. Like, maybe I could just run away. And then who's to say what happened after all the bullets fall, right? I come Mm -hmm. out and maybe I even get branded a hero of the Imperium. Like, again, we see so many books where the downtrodden and the lower stratas of Imperial society turn to gene stealers they turn to chaos cults right like because of the promise of a better of a better life and then it's not that much of a better life and then you find out that it's just yeah it's just the same thing it's just wearing a different dress Mm -hmm. like i felt really bad for them but i also felt that that was really it was this is one of the very few books where it's mostly played for laughs Mm-hmm. Like, look how incompetent these friggin' cultists are. Well, that also cracked me up every single time Upio, like, would look over and someone else had, like, I don't know, an extra mouth or something. He's like, oh, someone else has got a blessing from the gods. <laughs> well, I loved the ones, like, with the, the fingers yeah. and the eyebrows. And he's like, stop making hand gestures at me. Well, I just don't, I don't control them. Oh, man, it's, like, twice blessed by the gods. <laughs> and I did love his little rumination when he was just like, look, it's actually not that bad of a life. Like, you know, we, we, we get to have some 
you get to have food. There's still some people yelling at you, but you get to do all these things. I mean, sometimes tentacles appear, but whatever. <laughs> I did like that. Like, mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Chaos problems, right? <laughs> right. I don't know why, you guys, but the image of the chaos star that kept drooping. <laughs> I don't know why that kept cracking me up. I think it because it's Christmas. I kept like imagining the Charlie Brown Christmas tree version <laughs> of chaos. Actually, what made me giggle and I couldn't stop giggling was he talked about how he didn't have enough thigh bones and thigh ligaments until a certain cultist was volunteered to give his. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. So. Along those lines, I really liked the scene where he's like, when they're trying to storm the church and he's counting heads and he's like, oh, like, cause after that big fireball comes out and he's like, I guess I probably could have waited to do the effigy cause we're going to have like lots of material now. Like I could have just waited. <laughs> God, these are the thoughts that go through your head. And it couldn't have happened to a nicer group of boys. Lorgar. All right. No, the true sons of Lorgar. The true sons of I did like when he's like sons of Lorgar, true sons. Oh, right. It reminds me of that scene in uh, Life of Brian. Are you the Judean's people's front? Or the people's front of Judea. <laughs> Underrated masterpiece of theirs. Um, it just reminded me of that. I found that particularly humorous. Um, so. What did you, it's like, Grotz versus Chaos. Um, was this the battle we needed in life? I mean, it just seems like they both were out for a good crumping, so. Worked out for everybody, right? I have to kind of agree. Like, at first, I, I feel like we always see Grotz versus Humies, Grotz versus Orcs. Like, the last one was mostly just, I mean, there were some humans involved in there, but a lot of it was like the inner power struggles between the Grotz and the orcs right. and having to deal with the humans a little bit. This was straight up Grotz versus humies. And not something I knew I needed in my life, but I did like the idea that just as frustrating as they are for us, they're just as frustrating for chaos too. I mean, really, I could see this whole thing play like this has got to be a comedy that was written somewhere about you know this, you know the sea just trying to like you know climb the walls and it just fails because it was yeah i mean aside from yes as you can see with underneath jen you know home alone yes there was a lot of those wonderful home alone um pieces just you know i i feel like i've seen a movie where they were trying to get over a wall either people were kicking the ladders off or it's just i don't know you gotta, I could even be thinking of Monty Python and the Holy Grail with them trying to scale the wall. I, I have no idea, but this is, for some, whatever reason, the scaling the walls and the gags that go along with that, like, never get old to me. I, look, I will, like, Home Alone. So one of my favorite gags about Home Alone ever was in um, Dogma when the muse Salma Hayek is talking and she's like, I was responsible for four of the five top grossing films of all time. And she's like, the little boy at home, ah, somebody sold their soul to Satan for that one. Right. <laughs> that was hilarious. Um, and I mean, obviously as an adult, like I loved Home Alone as a kid, but as an adult, I'm like, meh. But reading this book, I was just giggling because 
the, the whole idea of like the slicked stairs and then pouring that wax on top of them and like they just keep coming well honestly you know because one of the, the things like i see like a lot of adults do is they they'll analyze home alone as adults which you just especially adults of today so like he would have you know realistically like kevin McAllister would have killed them i mean yeah the paint can for starters the iron oh i mean all of that stuff but it's a gag right it's a slapstick gag so you can't really apply that and this to me was like if home alone was real <laughs> this is what it would be like i so i think if you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time you know that i have a thing about foot injuries um so like whenever they describe people stepping on glass and stuff that whole scene when they take off their boots and then they start stepping on the glass and then they reach onto the handrail and they catch the glass. No. I actually struggled with that a little bit. Because I was like, ah, ah, ah. I can feel this the whole time. I can feel this. I can think about this and I can imagine it and I can feel it. And I ain't liking it. I mean, I liked it, but it, you, you know what I mean. Yeah, there was this one video game. Gosh, suddenly racking my brain. Can't even think what it was called. But it was the one with the origami killer. Oh, um, Heavy Rain? Heavy Rain. Because there was one thing that you Based had on. to do where you had to crawl on your arms and your knees, like your forearms and your knees, through broken glass. And that whole part just, it bothered the, the hell. I mean, just, yeah, and then he's trying to get the glass out of his feet. There's like that, that scene even in Die Hard when Bruce Willis is trying to get the glass out of his feet. That is just, it's just awful. It is. I did like in this book, though, as you said, it is much, very much like Home Alone. So a lot of times in movies, especially action movies, looking straight at you, Tom Cruise, um, glass is not hazardous unless you have to step on it. Then it's hazardous. But like if glass gets broken on you or you break through glass, nothing happens to you, right? It's just like an irritation. I did like when they started chucking the giant shards of glass down at them. And I was like, that's going to kill some. Oh, yep. No, they're right there. Right there. It killed some. Well, you know, it was actually, I don't remember if it was seeing the movie Ghost or if it was seeing The Hand That Rocks the Cradle that made me realize how dangerous glass can be. It was one of those two. I can't tell you which one it was that made me realize that glass could be really, really dangerous. Oh, yeah. Because like, like you were saying, there's so many action movies where, you know, they just dive through windows, right? And it just like, it just like crumples and crumbles and they're like, oh, <laughs> and they just like brush themselves off and just get up and go. It's like, no, if you did that, like your fingers would be so cut up. Can't think of what movie it is. I think it's one of the Resident Evil movies. And I, cause I think it's Mila Jovovich doing it. She's laying on the ground and like, she's laying on the ground, like on her side and like this glass breaks above her and the glass rains down. So she curls up into a ball. So of course it. It doesn't hurt her because she was curled up into a ball. Um, anyways, even though her neck really is totally exposed, me. huh? Her neck is like totally exposed, but you know, like your whole like you would be so cut up. Um, then then I was reading this and I was like, you know what? That's the benefit of Warhammer 40k is the violence is part of the fun. <laughs> <laughs> like, of course, this is gonna kill somebody because the crops will find that hilarious. Yeah. I loved how much they talked about them just like screeching, laughing. Just like every, I mean, every, like, 
even like Red Red Snot would talk about how he's like, he really wished he had time to laugh at this a little bit more. <laughs> he had to go. It's... Amazing. And again, I'm not a big slapstick humor person. Um, but this was slapstick done pretty well. Right. With physical humor, with him plucking the guy's eyeball out with him like when they're up top and the commissar is trying to get through to that bell tower and they're no they're just like poking stuff at him (laughs) and then you know finally shooting him but i it was slapstick done very fun um and i love that all of this fits it just fits within the ethos like well we have this on the one hand it's on the one hand it's slapstick on the other hand this is like totally part of the works yeah like the fact that they basically have would it be Che Claus or Santa Guevara because he's like their communist revolutionary Santa Claus (laughs) I go with uh, Santa Guevara there they basically have this and it makes sense every part of it makes sense within the lore like it's not them just shoe holing or pigeonholing, um, shoe horning, pigeonholing, um, in a Christmas reference. Like it works, it totally does. Um, and I can just imagine eventually when the loyalists show up to like reclaim this desert world, just like walking into that church, like, what happened? <laughs> what I don't understand. I did love with him uh, puzzling over Sanguinius when he's like, there's a human with wings is that what they aspire to like, none of this makes sense he's like it's just a big muty humie yeah he's like and he's really not that attractive which you know made me laugh that was when i did a little bit of a pearl grasp i was like oh, don't you talk shit about my flawless hawk boy and i was like that's the fabulous hawk boy he can't talk like talk about him that talk way like that about Sanguinius. well wasn't this actually supposed to be the sanguinala celebration didn't oh, actually yeah. mention that. Yeah, yeah. So there, there was, there is your Christmas reference. And it, again, it makes sense. Um, I did find Sanguinella did AF. die for all of our sins. Sanguinella, he did. Sanguinius. He did. Um, I did find the chaos cultist stuff very interesting, and I know you and I were talking kind of before the podcast about how interesting it is that this whole the grass is not greener over there again, like. I found some of their revelations. Some of them were funny and some of them were just sad. Like I felt so bad for so many of these muty, like these people who are mutating, especially uh, Gristle. It's like all the eyeballs and the mouths and the tongues. And he's like, it was just a guy. Right. He was the guy before chaos came. Just like a scrawny little dude. Who suddenly started wanting to eat red raw meat and then Yeah. It's like, you know, the Imperium may not be great, but I'm too vain for that. (laughs) I actually kind of liked how it's just a nice little subtle reminder that is the Imperium this evil fascist machine that just, again, it's the sausage factory, right? Pigs go in, sausage comes out. Oh my God, yes. Yes, it is. But the alternative is the same thing. Right. But with mutations. Because, I mean, that guy Gristle's not even Gristle. No, 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 no. He's He died. Oh, yeah. Shot. He's now a, a demon host or a demon yeah. something. 
Oh my god, yes. So like, again, is it horrible? Yes. But the other option. <laughs> but it was funny when he ripped that guy off of the door and then beat the door down with his body. <laughs> I thought that was just funny. Yeah. Again, it takes a lot. Because, again, the, the Warhammer 40k universe, that's one of the reasons that Caiaphas Kane walks such a very delicate line, is that the Warhammer 40k universe is dark and horrible and awful. It, it, it takes some skill mm-hmm. to make that hilarious. And play it for laughs. And him bludgeoning that door. And then actually kind of the commissar, too, when he's going through, like, power fisting everybody. Right. Because he's just so angry. It's like, dude, you you were just complaining how you don't have any troops. Like, you were just complaining about this. Well, you know, it's almost like he has, like, the gauntlet of Thanos. If you want something done, just do it yourself. It's just do it of, yourself. Yeah, just power fisting through exactly. everybody. Oh, my exactly. God. Exactly. No, I thought um, I thought that was fun. Did you see? Did you see? Like, see is not the right answer because I think we kind of knew. But did it make sense that Red Snot becomes the Red Gabo at the end? Well, yes, because he's the thinker. He's the one who actually tried to know human language for starters, and recognize that sawdust was probably a bad idea. That was funny. He's like, y'all are going to light up sawdust? Oh, can you guys just go tell him that you're going to do that? I'll go get him for you. <laughs> I actually liked when they were like, yeah, we have sand, but it smells like old trees. Like, like sawdust? Y'all are going to light some sawdust? Like, yeah, you can't take our idea. Oh, no, no, I don't. Oh, I want your idea. <laughs> I want your idea. <laughs> that did crack me up, too. I... I like the idea that the Red Gabo is just kind of a an idea, right? right. It's, it's a kind of a person. It, it, the person, as you said earlier, like it's the Dread Pri- Pirate Dread Roberts. Pirate Roberts. Yep. What matters is the name and the coat and the goggles and the hat. Gun's nice too. I did like when he hands the gut the hat over, and he's like, "Oh yeah, it's lined." <laughs> you shouldn't you shouldn't have to worry too much about bullets anymore. Um, I did like that. I liked at the end, there was a nice payoff with your voice sounds weird. Then he tries to drop it lower, but he's like, right. He's like, like, what? You, you think I'm red snot? Like, I know he was a popular git. <laughs> Just that cracked me up. Oh my God. He was very popular, had great ideas, but no, he's dead. <laughs> And all you need is little niggas there to be like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This all makes sense. Look. All makes sense to me. Um, It was just, I mean, it's just a... Like, and, of course, you know, it came full circle at the end. When he shot that one orc and was like, oh, that's what happened to kill a skin. He's like, oh, it looks just like the shot that took him out. So here's the question. Do is the Red Gabo ever gonna like succeed? Well no, but that's part of the fun, right? I think he's going to get like, you know, as many grots as he can, and that could be fun like later if there is like this little grot army. Which would actually be awesome if we get, you know, Gaskol Thraka to actually parlay with the Red Gabo. Like I would love oh to see Gaskol Thraka because Gaskol Thraka actually really likes thinkers. And I could see him and 
Dagabo really getting along. Making if I could see, yeah, if Makari especially got involved there, right? Right. You could see him being like, what? Which, you know, I like the idea. Um, it's one of those things though, that I'm always like, it's really funny, and I love the concept of it. And yeah, you're right. Like the, like the head being shot out, and he's like, oh, that's exactly what happened to kill this guy. Um, it's really hard, though, when your people, they want a better life, but they don't necessarily agree on how to get there. Well, they don't understand. All they know how to do is follow orders. Right. And there's so, that whole thing. There's that fear. Because they talk about the fear. And one I actually loved that Denny Flowers did was showed the fear on the traitor side and the fear on the grot side. There's that constant fear of not doing what you're supposed to do is so well done. Yes. Agreed. Um, it, that was, and, and that was, it was one of those things where there were a lot of parallels and mm-hmm. you were like, nope, this all makes sense. Yeah. Right. Um, for the Grots, they have the mindless orcs who find violence funny, and that's just how they do. And then for the Chaos guys, these are just cruel people, right? Like, mm-hmm. you're, you're a commissar who's still acting like you're part of the guard, but you're not part of the guard anymore. Um, so you already had a little bit of a, a cruel streak running through you, and now... Yeah, now, at least now you just don't have to, you know, cite uh, Imperial Code before you execute somebody, right? <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. And he has, like, major hardcore delusions of grandeur. Um, just not a nice guy, right? So very orky. Mm-hmm. And all to try to appease a freaking word bearer. Who doesn't care about him. The word bearer got mm-hmm. what he wanted from him. Oh, yeah, easily. He just, like, tallying up, right? Um, I did like his delusions of grandeur, though. Like, when he was talking about how he's like, I'll have my own war band and I'll go take over planets. And I was like, who who told you that? Because I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, you're not going to do that without at least one Dark Apostle leading the charge. And you're cannon fodder. Yeah, you're, you're still going to be um, front line, let's mm-hmm. say. Yeah. Again, you backed the wrong team. Mm-hmm. You just backed the wrong team. I don't even know what else to say about them. No. Other than, I, I again, I keep, I know I said this before, but I really want to reiterate, I do hope that they keep doing this. Oh, great. It's just, it's, it's fun. It's lighthearted. I like little fun books that they do like this. I do, this. too. And you wouldn't I mean, want, like, like the Caiaphas Kane novels. They're not lore breaking they're just fun and they're great very much so and i think we read a lot of serious books this year mm-hmm. um we read a lot of serious things and this was just a nice little turn of, a change of pace i thought um i um i think this is a fun way for the authors to like like the christmas story reference in here with <laughs> the you can't handle that you pull your arm off um, like it gives them a little bit of creativity. It gives them a little bit of fun to step outside of the box, right? Of the standard, like where are the Imperials are with the orcs, um, nice little way to step outside of the box while still also staying true to the Warhammer 40k lore. Right. 
right again like what we're talking about with the chaos people and with the grots like there's still a rule and law and order to this universe um it's just kind of it's just a nice way to end the year and yep. a chance for us to wear our holiday sweaters Thanks. yeah it's like the one time a year we wear them they're very very thick and heavy yeah they're... if you need like a thick warm sweater this pupper is yeah this thing is like so it's um 13 outside i just looked at my it's 13 outside i'm actually a little hot see what it's negative seven here um oh but with the wind chill it feels like negative 25 oh, i don't even uh, know what the wind chill is it's actually i do because they're watching the news earlier so i think the wind chill uh tonight's supposed to get down to negative four but 7 a.m is gonna be the coldest point and the wind chill is gonna be negative nine i live in texas y'all it's not supposed to do this <laughs> I, I can't complain too much i live in denver this is how it's supposed to be as my dad would say that's the yankee weather that's true mm. well and a whole other conversation on that but having grown up in the mountains like i've gone soft um, it's not my fault. I'm freezing. So while you're burning up, I actually feel pleasant. <laughs> Usually when we do this podcast, that we're both burning up in the sweater. Oh, yeah. And, um, I even have a shirt on under the sweater. And I'm still, I'm like, oh. Oh, no. There is no shirt on underneath this. And I'm hot. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, so, I mean, for a shirt, well, for these sweaters that I actually picked up at the Citadel, random, like I happened to be there, saw the sweaters, took a picture for Jen, I was like, do you want me to get you one? She was like, um, you better have already gotten me one. And um, they weren't that expensive either. No. They were like really good quality sweaters. <laughs> it is actually a really, really nice. Um, usually I have very strong feelings on machine knitting. But the way that they did the, yeah, the color change, mm -hmm. the color work and stuff, it's really good. So that's, uh, we have Dagabo and sweater. <laughs> I hope we can still buy these because they're really nice. Um, and obviously, the red one's the best one. No. Um, we just had a huge discussion in here about how the chaos <laughs> is worse than the Imperium. But he's the red gobbo. All right, fine. But I'm drinking red Magic. wine in my sanguineous chalice. <laughs> I think you have a world eater symbol on you somewhere, actually. Yeah, there you go. Everybody knows I love my big, stupid rage man children. Um, not to be mistaken with my, I guess, not my rage boys. Not to be mistaken with my petulant man children. Um, oh, no, you have the petulant man children and you have the stupid rage monsters. The, yes, the stupid rage monsters. I love them. I can't help it. Um, but, yeah, this is a good way to end the year and... Coming up next is our book club awards. Yes, and that's the official end of the year. Well, yeah, because we're recording like next three week. days before 2023. <laughs> right. That doesn't Do sound right. Out, 2023 doesn't sound right. No, it doesn't. Um, so going through our, to give people a little bit behind the curtain here, um, going through our book club awards, like we always have a shared document that we go through and we look through. I was like, oh, the best book of 2021. And I have looked at this thing like 15 times and did not see a problem with it until all of a sudden today I was like, well, 
oh my god, it's 2022, or it was 2022. We're almost into 2023, which sounds weird. Yes. I'm not a fan. However, we do have a book we're starting at the beginning of the year, so after the book awards. We do have a book yes, we're starting. Yes, there will be a book. Witchbringer. Ooh, yes. So we will be starting on a serious note. I wasn't sure if we were going to mention that tonight. Yeah, Witchbringer. Uh, Stephen B. Fisher's Witchbringer, Acadian sanctioned psyker. Um, God damn Cadians. I can't get away from this. I am generally very fascinated with the sanctioned psychers. So I'm actually pretty excited about this one. I'm um, actually curious about sanctioned psychers as well, just because I hate making this reference. Jen's gonna hate me for it, but the but the first time I really got to like see like a sanctioned psyker, like we talk about like the chains and everything, you know, was the Severina Rain novel. So the first thing I actually thought of was um, Wheel of Time. You're going there. So. Uh, that's fine. But am I wrong? No, you're not. Which is why I'm grumpy about it. I think. Yeah, you're not wrong. But yeah, I was actually about to say that the last time we actually saw like a sanctioned psyker actually have like a real character development in an arc was in Honorbound. Um, so I'm actually really excited to see another one, I think. And I do like this. I like that they're leaning into the Astra Militarum to show us a little bit more. We had Steel Tread. We had Outgunned. We had Krieg. We had Catachan Devil. Now we have this one. Volpone Glory. Like hmm? Volpone Glory. Oh my god, Volpo and Glory, which is such a good book. Um, I like that they're leaning more into let's like show how the let's show how like the majority of Krieg. humanity. Krieg. I said Krieg. Did you? Mm -hmm. Okay. That one. Um but again, like just like let's show like let's show the famous units, right? But let's just kind of show people like this is what the average soldier, the people who are actually doing the majority of the work, right? Like there's always that meme that I like of all the soldiers holding up the wall that the uh, space marines are standing on. <laughs> like, we conquered it. <laughs> no. Afraid <laughs> not, friends. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited for that one. I think that'll be a really good note to start 2023 on. And we will, yeah, have our book club awards. Good Always a good time. Year, I don't know how we got to 2022, the end of 2022 already. I don't either. It, My daughter will have driven me somewhere next week at no. some point. So pray for me. No, she's still seven. That's not possible. That's fair. That's fair. She acts like it sometimes. Um, <laughs> I think that's just called being a teenager. Oh my god. Send help. <laughs> send help. And I was about to say chocolate, but you don't like chocolate. So send help and coffee. That's what Jen likes. That is my love language. Yes, it is. <laughs> so, anyway, so you have listened to Warhammer 40k book club episode regarding Dagaba's Demise by Denny Flowers. So be sure to join us next time. Well, not next time, but the time after that for Witchbringer by Stephen B. Fisher, because next time will be the book club awards. But remember, we are an unofficial book club and not affiliated with the Black Library or any of its affiliates. You can find both the vidcast and podcast on our website, wh40kbookclub.com. If you like this episode, please like, subscribe, give a review, and all those things to the vidcast on YouTube or the podcast on anywhere you get podcasts. 
Our site also has articles about adventures and reading other Warhammer 40k books and short stories outside of the book club books. So please stay a while and read from a crag. Oh, you know, I have like, you know what? Forget it. Cheers, y'all. Happy Sanguinala. Kill, mer kill, burn, maim. All right. Butchered that coming out. That's harder to say out loud than I thought it was going to be. Huh. Butchered. Hey! Slay those bells. You're not right. That's Something's not right with you. Slew those bells, y'all. <clears throat> In the book. Happened. That's true. That might have been my favorite part. Yeah, that was pretty good. When the big one came down. Mm-hmm. All right. Cheers, <laughs> good night, everybody. Warhammer 40k book club is hosted by Jen Bozier and me. Recording and editing of both the vidcast and podcast were done by me. The book club questions and discussion format were done by Jen, and all of our music is by Jingle Punks. The Warhammer 40k book club is a Warhammer LLC production. This is a Voxcast that even he, Cato Sicarius, would approve.